look into God's Word. And if you have them, I would like you to turn, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. It's the very last chapter of the book of Mark. Let me just, while you're turning there, Mark 16, let me tell you that the book of Mark is the most sequential of the Gospels. It happened in the order in which it's recorded. It's also the shortest, the shortest Gospel. You could probably easily read the, the Gospel of Mark within an hour, and, and it's just it's powerful, good stuff. All of it's, of course, wonderful um, uh, writings. It's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Word of God. It is powerful. It changes us. But this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 16. If you've been with us for a number of weeks, you know that, that for these weeks, actually now for a few months, we have been asking why questions. Why questions, again, are some of the most important questions that we can ask. So often we go to the what. How do we do something? How does that happen? Or where is that found? Or what is this all about? And we don't often ask the why questions. We've been asking and answering from God's Word the why Why do we do certain things that we do? Why do we do things not only in a 90-minute period of time on a Sunday morning or, or on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night or on a Monday night or on a Tuesday night in Bible study or on a Wednesday afternoon prayer or some event on a Friday or Saturday night, something like what? Not only, not only here, but why do we do those things? Why are they important to us? Why do we do certain things? And in, in just recent weeks, we've been asking why uh, uh, why, why the cross? Why, why is that important to us as followers of Jesus Christ? Now, those of you that have been followers of Christ for a long time, then man, that's just patently obvious. The cross is the center. The cross of Jesus Christ paid for everything. Why is it important? Why is it important that we celebrate the resurrection? Why, why is it important to receive the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why is it important that we as followers of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years after he ascended into to heaven, why is it important that we await his return? We looked at that last week. And we looked at a lot of other why questions before that. Why? Well, this morning I want to ask and answer again from God's word why we go. Very, very simple, why we go. For three years, if you know, uh, again, anything about the Gospels, uh, even a basic sequence, you know that for about three years, the disciples of Jesus Christ had followed him. It's not a very long time, unless you look at it in days, and that is for a little bit more than a thousand days, these followers of Christ had been with Jesus. They had followed him. They would heard him. They had observed him in a very up-close and personal way. They had walked the journey with him. They'd seen him in times of conflict. They'd seen him, seen him in times of weariness, physical weariness. They had also seen him spiritually weary. They had seen power go out of him. They had seen him challenged by people who were very well-versed in the law. They're, they had seen him challenged by demonic spirits, or rather confronting demonic spirits. We had, they had seen him in all of these different settings, again, for over 1,000 days, very up close and personal the disciples. And Jesus was about to leave them and return to heaven. We looked at that last week from the book of, of Acts chapter 1 and that, that, that those moments prior to and during the ascension, 
But before leaving them, Jesus gave them some instructions. Some instructions that we have looked at a couple of different times from different places in the, in the New Testament uh, that, that are speaking about Jesus giving some final instructions. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, records Mark's account of what we call the Great Commission. Now, I have to tell you right up front, you, you will not find the words the Great Commission in the Bible. Just like a lot of words that we use in, in Christian circles, it's not necessarily something that you will find. The Great Commission is one of those. What it means is a commission means that someone gives a directive. It means they give some final instructions. It means they give authority with those instructions that will help them carry out what they have been commissioned to do. That's what commissioning means. It's direction. It was an assignment that was given. So we call this the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, right near the very end, starting with verse 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Again, Jesus is giving these instructions to them just before he ascends into heaven. His followers were receiving that day this great commission. Now, you, you see that, you see those verses there before you, you hold them in your hands, and, 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 and what Jesus said would happen, they would in fact do. The, the signs or the, the identifiers, if you will, of what Jesus was giving them would follow those who believe uh, in, in Jesus' name. And you can read through many of these, these, these kinds of things throughout the book of Acts. In Jesus' name, people would be prayed for and demons would be cast out of people. As, as these people and others went out, in Jesus' name, uh, they spoke in new tongues. They picked up snakes with their hands and they didn't kill them. Now, let me just be very clear on something. Um, there are a few small little sects someplace, I think in West Virginia, or a few other places, that go and handle snakes. Have you ever heard of those? They call them snake handlers. Uh, can I be real straight with you? Whenever I hear that someone dies from that, there's a little part of me that goes, serves you right. Don't misunderstand this. This does not mean that they were supposed to go look for them and handle them. It means that in the course of events, while they were taking the gospel out, as they were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, if in the event of that something came on to them, tried to kill them, they would be spared. In fact, this happened at the very end of the book of Acts. This happened to one of these, not one of these disciples, but one of the early followers of Jesus Christ, Paul. A snake latched onto him, a venomous snake, and he shook it off, the Bible says, into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. It was the fulfillment of Scripture. As he was proclaiming the good news, even if a snake bit him, he wouldn't be harmed. 
He went on to say, Jesus went on to say, if you drink a deadly poison, it will not hurt you. The, uh, uh, there's a, a gentleman by the name of George Wood. He is the, the uh, general superintendent, kind of the CEO of the Assemblies of God. He was a missionary kid in uh, China. He, he's about 70-some years old now. When he was a little boy, his father and mother were missionaries in China. Well, they were going into one area. Um, the, the people there were threatened by the gospel, and they, they gave this man, the, the father of our of George Wood, gave him some poison, something that they found out later would have killed about three or four men. His father became very ill that night and threw up everything that he had eaten in the previous day, but he suffered no long, long-term ill effects other than that night. He was not killed. It was the fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus said, Jesus said, he wasn't just speaking to 11 men, Judas was dead, he'd taken his own life. He wasn't one of these here receiving the Great Commission. But these 11 surviving disciples, it wasn't just for them. Jesus said it was really, it was for every person who would go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It says here, it says here that they would lay hand on, hands on people and that they would recover. All of that happens and all of these things can continue to happen today. It's the Great Commission. It's for today. These were Jesus' instructions. And since he ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers from that time to this time have been under this great commission. We still live under this commission given to them so long ago has been given to us. But I want you to notice the first word that Jesus used there in verse 15, it is the word go. Notice that. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. What that simply means, in some translations it may say, preach the gospel. What that means is the, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The mess. Jesus was telling them, I want you to go, or I'm telling you to Go into the whole world, to every people's group, to every culture, to every language. Wherever there are people, go there and tell them the message that I have given you. Preach does not simply mean a a, a person who, who stands up in front of a congregation and preaches. It means to proclaim. You are a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, you are living under this commission, and you too are committed to, commissioned to, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This word go, you see it there. Go, Jesus said, into all the world. It's a very simple word. It's a, two letters. It's kind of a standalone word. You can use it. I've used it. I've used it with my children. Go! <laughs> and they understand what it means. You don't need to have any other words with it. It's one of those standalone words at times. It's a directive. It's a strong word. It's an action word. Go! Go! If someone tells you go, it means don't stop. Don't remain still. Go! Move! Do something. Jesus said, Go! It was a word that Jesus used frequently. He usually said it to people who had just received something from him. Let me say that again. 
Jesus usually used the word go with people that had just received something from him. People that he had instructed or someone that he had healed or someone that he had just delivered from demonic spirits. He did those things to them. He would would minister in some way to them and then following that, he would tell them, now go. For example, there was once a person, a woman who was dragged before Jesus for a particular sin. Uh, The sin that had been committed was adultery, and under the Mosaic law that the Jewish people lived under very closely at the time, it uh, it allowed for her to be stoned, to be killed, to be executed for her sin. They dragged this woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, brought her before Jesus, and uh, Jesus, it's, it's a long story, I won't take the time now, but, but Jesus ministered to her, he extended grace to her, he brought conviction upon those who dragged her before him. And then Jesus, Jesus, after changing her life, he said to her, now go your way and sin no more. He used the word go. So you, you understand what happened here. Woman's brought before him, she's sinful, he extends grace to her, he ministers to her, he he begins a restoration, and then he tells her, now go your way and sin no more. Another time, Jesus delivered a man from multiple demon spirits. We we refer to him as the Gerasene demoniac, that was the area from which the man was from, and and, uh, he had multiple demons on him, it was a really, it was a horrible, horrible um, scene of this man, his life was a wreck. Jesus encounters this man. He delivers him from multiple demons. And then to this man, Jesus said this, Now go to your people and report all the great things the Lord has done for you. So you understand what's happened again. Here's Jesus. He encounters this man who's, whose life is absolutely a wreck. He delivers her, sets her free excuse me, delivers him, sets him free, and then he says to him, now go back to your people, go back to your family who knew you, who, who understand where you were, go back to them and tell them the great things that God has done for you today. There's another time. This time it was a completely different thing, not a person caught in sin, not, not someone who was, uh, who was filled with demonic spirits, but it was a paralyzed man, a, a crippled man. He, 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 he had been crippled for a very long time, but he had just been healed by Jesus. And Jesus said to that man, now get up, take your mat, and there's that word, go home. He, he healed him, and then he directed him. So do you see the sequence here? Jesus does something, and then he gives them directions to go. One more time that I want to cite this morning, and that is to a group of 72 followers. You understand Jesus had 12 close disciples, but then there was a group called the 70 or 72 that were beyond that, and they were kind of like, um, they were kind of like disciples, but they were a little bit further out in, 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 in influence. Jesus sent them out. He he gave them some instructions, and then he gave them a degree of authority. And then Jesus said this. He said, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Jesus said, go. Again, these, these were people. The few examples that I've just given you were people who had been healed, 
People who had been delivered. People that had been instructed. All of them had been transformed. In some way, Jesus changed them, and then he sent them away with that very simple word, go. There's a sequence there. Jesus changed them, and then he sent them. For a moment this morning, for a few moments this morning, I want us to back away from the examples in Scripture and talk about the example of your life. Right? That's what we need to do. Folks, this is not, when we gather here together, this is not history time. This is not a history lesson. This is a, how do we live it? How do we interact with this? How does this change my life? Let me back away from the biblical examples and talk about your example. Consider for a moment the ways in which Jesus has healed you, or delivered you, or taught you, or sustained you, or encouraged you, or strengthened you, think of what Jesus has done in your life. Just go ahead and do that. Right now, recount in your mind the ways in which he has taught, delivered, healed, strengthened, sustained, encouraged. We could, we could spend a lot of time starting in one corner of the building and going through and say, look what Jesus has done in my life. We go to the next person. We go to the next family. We go to the next couple. We could go to that parent, that husband or wife, that grandparent. We could go to that person who, who was diagnosed with an incurable disease. We could go to that person who had a child who was demonized. We could go to that person who who had a, a marriage that, that Jesus healed. Oh, we could spend a lot of time talking about what Jesus has done in your life. You see, it wasn't just something that Jesus did a long time. He, he did not stop healing, delivering, strengthening, teaching. But, not only did Jesus do something in your life, after he healed you, delivered you, strengthened you, taught you, he sent and he directed you. In other words, he didn't just simply heal you so that you feel better. He healed you so that God can use you in laying hands on someone else and praying for healing for them. He didn't deliver you from kind of, some kind of spiritual power evil spiritual power. He didn't deliver you from that life-controlling behavior. He didn't deliver you from that really messed up, whacked out life that you had simply so that you have a better life ahead. He delivered you and then he sent you to someone else. Again, we could go down the line here and we could, we could talk about how the Lord has used you as you have gone, as you as you this is really bad English, as you goad, right? All right, you understand what I'm saying. As you went, that word go, as, as you went, you became an instrument in his hand. Glory to God. So you see the sequence here. Time after time after time, not only then but also now, Jesus changes us 
And then he sends us. And this is one of the reasons why we go. It's a long way around to just answer this very simple question. Why do we go? We go because Jesus said go. We go because we have been transformed. I've said it before, and, and you know what? You're going to hear it again. It really doesn't matter how many times we hear it. We need to hear it again. Jesus did not save you to turn you into simply a trophy, but to turn you as a, into a precious tool in his hand. How many here would rather be tools than trophies? Yeah, trophies get dusty. <laughs> trophies lose their sheen. Trophies are forgotten in closet. But tools are wonderful things because tools change things. Trophies never do. I don't think I ever got a trophy. I was never in athletics. Well, I was, but I never got a trophy. If they gave for the biggest loser, I would have been, uh, uh, got the trophy for that. The brief time that I was in it. I don't ever, and, and, you know, I, and I'm not resentful about that. But if I did get a trophy, it would be in some closet someplace. My son, my oldest son has a lot of trophies from stuff. They're still in his room at our house. They're soon going to go to Care and Share Giveaway, and you can use them and put a different thing on them. But tools are entirely different, aren't they? They're used. Jesus said go, but he said it. He said it the most to people who had been changed. What he's done in us he wants to then use us to touch others. Well, there were other people to whom Jesus gave the same word, this word, go. But with them it was different. Now this is, what's, this is what's really fascinating about the text, and I didn't know this until recently. As I was studying Scripture, I discovered something that I had never noticed before. By the way, that's what happens when you read the Bible. You, all of it, you may have read it 20, 30, 50 times before. All of a sudden, you discover something new, and I discovered something that I had not noticed before. There were other people with which Jesus used the word go, but with them it was different. For them, there was a change in sequence. The directive was the same, but the sequence was different. Like in John chapter 9, in John 9, Jesus spoke these words to a man who had been blind his entire life. He'd never had the ability to see. Jesus encounters him, and this is what Jesus said to the man. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Now, it, it, you can read through that a dozen times and miss the fact that the sequence is Jesus didn't heal the man and then say go. Jesus said go, and then the man was healed. Isn't that kind of interesting? Or how about this example from, from uh, Luke chapter 17. Another time Jesus was speaking to a group of men. Uh, as I recall, there were ten of them. Uh, speaking to a group of ten men who had the dreaded and um, incurable disease called leprosy. He encounters them, and to them Jesus said this, Go, show yourselves to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, it's brief, let me read it again, but please notice the sequence. Jesus said, Go, show yourselves to the priests, and as they went, 
they were cleansed. They were healed. They were delivered from leprosy. Now, now like the other persons that I mentioned a few moments ago, like those other persons I mentioned, these persons were commanded to go. No question about that. There's that word that Jesus frequently used. And there, by the way, there are many other occasions as well. But, but on these occasions, their healing, their deliverance was conditional upon their going. It happened after they followed the command to go. Jesus said, go, and then the healing came. Jesus said, go, and as they went, they were healed, they were cleansed. <laughs> Which kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? I wonder, I wonder if, if the man who was born blind, if he would have said, um, excuse me, Jesus, I'm blind, and it's hard to get to the pool of Siloam. Kind of makes you wonder if he would have been healed had he not first gone. I think not. Or how about those ten leprous men who, who had this incurable disease, had, had they said, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> No, that's not how it's supposed to be because the Mosaic law says first, first you find the healing and then you go show yourselves to the priest. And so I'm not even going to step out of this place. I'm not going to go to the priest and show myself until I'm healed. Had they not done that, I'm kind of pretty sure that they, had they not gone, they would not have been healed. Now again, this is not just a history lesson. Let's bring it to you and I. I wonder, I wonder how many miracles, how many miracles, how many deliverances, how many healings, how many times in which God speaks through us have not happened today because people do not first go and do the things that God tells them, has already told them to do in the Word of God. I wonder if there have been times in which the Holy Spirit directed someone to go and do something, go to someone and speak something, go to someone and share something, and it didn't happen because they did not first go. I wonder how many times have people seen the promises in God's Word. The promises that are for every person who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. But because they fail to be obedient to the Word of God, as it's clearly stated, I wonder how many people have remained in slavery to sin. I wonder how many people have remained in absolute bondage. I wonder how many people have continued in that place of sickness or illness. Don't misunderstand me. I know that God has a plan. And I am not saying that sickness or illness is always a consequence of disobedience or a lack of going. But I believe there are some. Because had ten lepers or a blind man said, no, we won't go, they would not have been healed. The deliverance was conditional upon their going. 
it relates to us today. I have to admit to you something this morning, and um, um, I'm just going to be right up front with you. Here it is. may not like it, but I'm going to say it. There have been times in my life when I saw something in the Word of God, when the Holy Spirit prompted me to do something, and I chose not to do it. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I didn't do it. Because it was uncomfortable. Because it would have been difficult. Because it would have upset my perfect little world. Because it would have been challenging. Because it it would have been wearying. There have been times when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to go do this, and I didn't do it. And I really believe on those occasions I missed out on the miracle. I don't think there have been many times, but there have been times. Maybe you're the same way. Maybe you can look back in your life, and there were times when you, you know that this is what the Word said. The Word said do this. You say, well, that's difficult. Yeah, it is difficult, but the Word said do this. You say, well, it's not convenient. Yeah, I understand it's not convenient, but the Word said do this. You say, well, I can't really do it, and all of a sudden you miss out on the miracle. You're still in bondage. You're still in slavery to whatever that thing is. But, but, here's the good news, but how many times for many of us have have there been times when in faith we go and do what he calls us to do and the miraculous happens? How many times, how many times, only God knows the number, how many times have we in faith said, Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, I don't like it. Lord, this is not comfortable. Lord, this is challenging. Lord, this is inconvenient. But you said do it, and I'm going to do it, and we see a powerful miracle of God. It's not part of the text that I'm going to go into this morning, but you remember the story of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, and he's walking by the boat, boat filled with disciples. And Jesus calls Peter. We often focus in on Peter sinking into the water later on, but we forget the fact some, sometimes that it was Peter alone who got out of the boats. You want to walk on water? you got to get out of the boat. Let me say that again. You want to walk on water? Sometimes you got to get out of the boat before the miracle happens. Some of you are looking for a miracle. You're praying for a miracle. You're believing for a miracle. You're trusting Him every day for a miracle. But the miracle might not come until you first go and do what He's already called you to do. Miracles happen. They happen then, they happen now. Sometimes he tells us to go after the miracle, and sometimes the miracle is conditional upon us going. Back in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, that part of the Great Commission, Jesus commanded his followers, and that includes you and me, he commanded his followers to go. He commanded his followers to go. Some of you, maybe you, have been injured by someone. Maybe in the last couple of months or a couple of weeks, maybe, I don't know, maybe in the last couple of days, someone has said something to you, done something to you, 
Someone has offended you. Someone has hurt you. It may have been something that was very intentional on their part. It may have been very unintentional. It may have been real or it may be perceived on your part. But somebody has hurt you. I don't know who. I just know that I'm supposed to challenge you with this this morning. But someone has hurt you. And you're praying, oh God, heal me. Oh God, I hurt. Oh God, their words wounded me. Oh God, I'm hurting so bad. Oh God, help me. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus again, speaking to his followers, said if someone, if anyone, Jesus said, sins against you, that does not mean a sin against God, it means an offense. If someone offends you, if someone hurts you directly, not a vertical uh, uh, sin in which our relationship with God is damaged because of a choice or something that happens, but a, a, a vertical, a, rather a horizontal Uh, break with someone else because someone says something. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, Jesus said, you are to first go to them. There's that word again. Hey, I'm not making it up. Jesus said it. You're to go to them and reconcile. some, Some here, you're going, oh, that person hurt me. Oh, that person wounded me. I got some news for you. You're not going to get through this life without getting wounded by someone. So suck it up. You're not unique. Everyone gets hurt. Everyone gets wounded. Everyone gets stepped on sometime. But we have an answer. Jesus said you go to them. It does not say go to your neighbor and tell them what that person did to you. It does not say go on Facebook and tell all your friends what that person did to you. Can I hear an amen on that? It does not mean that you send a letter to them and say, you hurt me. It doesn't say that. It says you go to them and you reconcile with them. And if that doesn't work, then there's more protocol with that that follows up from that. We go, oh. Instead, we play the victim and we say, oh, somebody hurt me. Well, how long ago? 40 years ago, they hurt me. Well, get over it, man. Jesus gives us you say, well, they're dead. Well, that's, then release it to Jesus. He's your healer. Amen. See, maybe the Lord is calling you to go and do something, and you've never done it before. Maybe the Lord is bringing something new into your life, and He is challenging you, and He is stretching you, And you're going to a very difficult place and and the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to go and do this. And there's a part of you who wants to tell Jesus, I've never gone that way before. I've never done that before. He's telling you, directing you, can I use this word, commissioning you? To go and do something that is beyond your experience, beyond your perceived skill set. I say perceived because so often we look at the tools that we have and we say, I don't have the tools for the job. And Jesus is saying, go and do the job and I'll give you the tools. We say, well, it's not in my experience. Well, 
Jesus often uses us beyond our experience because if we do things that we're only experienced at, then we're going to be we're going to tend to do things in our strength rather than in his. But I promise you that if you step out in faith and say, "Lord, that is beyond anything like I've ever done before, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. Um, um, I'm going to trust you that you're going to give me, you're going to equip me with the, the thing to do. I'll give you a lot of examples from my life and from others, but, but they're out there, people who step out in faith, and get out of the boat, even if they've never walked on water before. If, by the way, if you are being directed by the Lord Jesus Christ, through His Word or by His Holy Spirit, if you are being directed to go into a place you've never been before, if you are being directed to go and do something you've never done before, if you are to go and say something you've never said before, then you're in good company. You're in great company. Because every person... Every person in this book, every person recorded in God's Word, the Bible, who did anything, every person who did anything worthy of record in God's Holy Word followed some kind of command to go. No exceptions. Every person who accomplished something worthy of record in God's Word followed a command to go. Now, the command to go may have been before the miracle happened or it may have been after the miracle happened, but they were people who, when Jesus spoke, when God the Father spoke to them, they, when they heard the words, the word, go, they went. It started in Mark 16, and I want to finish there. In Mark 16, that great commission... In Mark 16, those great directives given just before Jesus ascended into heaven. In Mark 16, that commissioning time that we are still under, Jesus told them and he told us that if they and if we would go, certain things would happen. Jesus said if they would go, they would proclaim the gospel. If they would go, they would proclaim the gospel. The record stands that they did go and they did proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are here this morning in large part because those people first went. Jesus said if they would go, people would believe and be baptized. I have a promise for you. Actually, no. Jesus has a promise for you that if you go... And if you share the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the only thing that will keep them out of hell, if you go and you share the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the only thing that will keep them from eternal, perpetual, ongoing destruction, if you go, I believe that people will believe and will be baptized. Amen. I believe if they would go, Jesus promised them that if they would go, they would cast out demons. I have some news for you this morning. The demonic is still happening in the world today. But I still believe that if we go with confidence, not in fear, 
in confidence, in holy boldness, if we go out and we confront demonic spirits, we will not fear, but we will through the name of Jesus and the power, the delivering power of Jesus Christ, we will see people set free from demonic spirits. If we go. If we go. If, it's, it's if, if we go. I believe that as they were commissioned, if they would go, they would speak in new languages. And the Bible says about ten days later they did. And it's continued since that time. God, by His Holy Spirit, empowers people to speak new languages that are far beyond their own. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe that today, this is still under effect. It did not end with these 11 people. It is still in effect today. If they would go, they would not be, <coughs> they would not be injured by deadly things. So often we're, we're frightened and scared of going to a certain place. I can't go to that place. I might drink the water and die. If you go, and you go in faith, and you go directed by Him, I'm not saying you go pull something out of the creek and go drink it, but I believe if all of a sudden they didn't boil it like they should, Jesus is still going to spare you. You might get sick and throw up everything that you've eaten in the last week, but He's going to spare you. I believe that if we go someplace, and, and, and it's a dangerous place, I've said this before, but I believe the safest place in the world has nothing to do with geography. I would rather, I would rather be a follower of Jesus Christ in the middle of a war zone. I would rather be the follower of Jesus Christ in the middle of some oppressive society, some, some dictatorial society. I would rather be a follower of, in the very center of God's will right there than in Aberdeen, South Dakota, or your community, I'd and, and, and be without him. It's safer to be with Jesus wherever you are. And if we go there, if we go, I've heard people say, I can't go there. It might be dangerous for my family. If Jesus is telling you to go there, he's going to protect your family. Just go. Jesus said that if they would go, he would pray for people and those people would be healed. You've heard this. You've heard this statement. Why don't we see the miraculous Today, like they did another... You've asked that question. I've heard some of you ask that question. Why don't we see miracles here like we see over there? Why don't we experience the miraculous power of God now like they did back then? I have the answer for you. It's oftentimes because we don't first go. We don't step out of the boat. But I believe if we step out of the boat when Jesus calls us to go, I believe that we're going to see the miraculous happen in unprecedented ways. <coughs> Jesus said, go. The question this morning is, why do we go? <coughs> we go because he called us to go. We go because, we go because he's commissioned us to go. We go because we trust God that he's going to do something in us and through us that he would not do if we didn't go. Those 11 disciples that were there that day for that first great commissioning are long gone. They died. 
most of them, because they went. Most of them were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, some of them were spared for a long time. They lived through a lot. And finally, one day, Jesus said, all right, I'm done using you. You went, and now you're done, and I'm going to bring you home, and I'm going to give you a great reward. One of those disciples, James, he died like maybe just a few months after Jesus ascended into heaven. He was the first of the disciples to go. One of the disciples who was closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. James died early. Herod had him killed. But what a reward. I'm frequently reminded that life goes fast. How many believe with me that life goes fast? Uh, Those who are older were the first to put their hands up. We only have one chance. We've got this life. That's all there is. I want to be, when he takes me home, either through his return or through death, I want to be going when he comes. I want to be in the act of going out and fulfilling the Great Commission when he returns, for me individually or for his church. This morning, we close. I want to, not me, Jesus, through his word, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and following, I want him to give a commissioning to you. I want you to, in a moment as we pray, I want you to imagine yourself standing before Jesus. I want you to imagine yourself there on that hillside and listening to the words of Jesus. This morning, I want to once again restate his commissioning upon every one of us. This morning, the close of this service, if you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, Pastor Ben is going to be right up here. He will will lead you into that relationship. I want to give you that opportunity. But most of us, or maybe all of us this morning, have accepted him. But maybe we've not taken his commission seriously. This morning I want to give it to you again. Would you bow your heads with me, please? As I, with all respect and reverence for God's word, change the wording slightly to bring it to us. Jesus said to them, and he says to us, Go into all this world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ 
to every person you encounter. Whoever believes in Jesus, whoever is baptized in his name will be saved. Those who reject that message, those who do not believe, will be condemned. But he's given us the opportunity. To those of you who are being commissioned today, to those who are perhaps being recommissioned, I need to also tell you the words of Jesus are true for you. That these signs will accompany you who believe. In Jesus' name, you will drive out demon spirits. You will speak in new tongues. You will pick up snakes. You may be tempted to be poisoned, but it will not hurt you because you're going. You will place your hands on sick people. In the name of Jesus, you will pray for them and they will get well. I commission you in the name of Jesus. Jesus commissions you as his followers. Jesus will accompany that commissioning with the signs of his power. Jesus will use you tools in his hand. Jesus will use you to influence the world around you. Jesus will use you beyond your ability, but in his ability. Jesus will use you in ways he's never used you before. Jesus will put you (coughs) in difficult and uncomfortable places where you will cry out to him, I am desperate for you. Jesus is commissioning his church today. And Lord, now I pray for my brothers and my sisters. We are going out into a world in these moments ahead We are re-entering a world that is broken and flawed and corrupt. We're going back into a society that is skewed in so many ways, but we have you. Jesus, you did not say, gather together, protect each other, surround each other seclude yourselves from the world you said go into the world and tell people about me so we do that now 
Would you stand with me, please, continuing in prayer? Jesus, as we go out of this place in these moments ahead, we go not only as people who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, empowered by your Holy Spirit, but we will leave this place under the commission that you gave in Mark 16. We will go. This is why we go. Empower us. Protect us. Defend us. Encourage us. But use us as we go under the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in Jesus Christ. God bless you this morning. These altars, as always, are open. God bless you this morning. Go in His power.